Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark. I want to welcome you as well. You know, I've really been digging uh, so far as we're building up to Christmas that we're also at the same time talking about what we're doing as a church with missions and what it looks like to be involved in that. Uh, That uh, is familiar to me, uh, the faith tradition, faith community that I grew up in. They had something called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Anybody, anybody know what the, which I speak of? Um, I always thought growing up, I was like, why in the world would you name something Lottie Moon? That sounds really crazy. Uh, it wasn't until later on that I found out that this Lottie Moon was this incredible woman who laid her life down in China. Um, she was, I forgot how tall, like five foot, four, four foot, four foot, five, three maybe? She was really short. Uh, no, it was, it was the, kind of this thing where no men were really signing up and going, and this, this girl's like, I'm, I'll take it. And so she, she goes and does this incredible work to, to take the gospel to a place that had never been before. And uh, so in celebration and remembrance of that, um, we would always, at the end of the year, really push to, to give and to collect our, as much money as we could to go support missionaries that would go. And Terry and I and uh, the boys, uh, our oldest boys, we actually were a part of that same group. Like we were sent by the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, when we went overseas. And so uh, anyway, it just feels, feels right. Like this is a time that we should be talking about that. And it really is, uh, you'll even see today as we start to talk about how it meshes with what we're talking about um, and who Jesus is and what he's done and who he was before he was born and, and what it's going to look like big picture. And um, as we've done these other mornings, I've got a video of one of the people that we, we have sent out, the Grove has sent. Her name's Jessica Joyce. Uh, several of you know her uh, because you have personally invested in her and support her uh, as a church. Even if you haven't met her, she is somebody that we, uh, we support. And so you're involved in the ministry that she has. But I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Joyce, and I have been connected with The Grove since about fall of 2012 when I started attending during my freshman year of college. And for about the past six and a half years, I've been working in South Asia where um, we work among highly unreached people groups. And basically what that means is there is a very small percentage of those who either know who Jesus is or genuinely follow him. And the people as a whole have very limited access to hearing the gospel or coming in contact with someone who could share it with them. And so I've been really grateful for the Grove over the years as I've felt loved and supported in many ways by not only the Grove as a whole, um, but even the multiple individuals um, within the church. And so um, that's, I mean, been through financial support, through prayer, through friendship, and just making me seen, uh, making me feel, feel seen and welcomed when I come home on a stateside assignment. 
And so, uh, yeah, again, I just am so grateful for the ways that The Grove loves on me and reaches out to me. And um, there are so many of you guys that I am in genuine friendship with. And so I'm grateful for that. And so again, love you guys. And I um, am looking forward to seeing you guys sometime soon. Bye. Really cool. Uh, sometime soon is this week. Uh, because a, a group of us are going to Thailand uh, to, to meet with, with Jessica and the, the, all the people that she works with this week. Actually, uh, leave, I leave Tuesday. We're leaving at a few different times. Um, if you met Jessica, just an incredible girl in a really, really hard place. She's been there a long time working faithfully. And, uh, and what happens in the place that she lives and all the others that she works with, they have to leave the country uh, once a year-ish uh, to renew their visa. They have to leave the country and come back in. And normally the place that they go is Thailand because it just makes good sense. It's a really cheap place to go that's very welcoming. And so they all go there together for a time of training and care and, you know, uh, renewal. And so for several years, I've been going a few times. Uh, Charlie has gone and done some pastoral care, he and, he and Heidi. This year, we're going big. We are uh, taking a pretty significant team. I'm going. Uh, my little Darcy, who works in Grove Kids, is going to go and take care of kiddos. Uh, Charlie, Heidi, Layla is also going to help with child care. Uh, Brad Alexander, who leads worship quite a bit, will be leading worship. His wife, Melanie, will be doing some teaching. Uh, Lauren Whitehouse, who's also involved here, is going to go. And some other of her friends are going to go and help with child care. And what we're going to try to model, uh, when, when Terry and I and our family lived overseas, churches would come and they would, man, do all this incredible stuff and just love on us and offer vacation Bible school for our kids and the counseling that we needed. And it just, it meant so much because, y'all, it's a long way. It's like, I don't know, 8,000, 9,000 miles. It's a four, you know, it's a two hour plus a two hour flight plus a 14 hour flight plus a nine hour flight and then a three hour drive. By the time you get there, you have been in travel forever. And, and they know that. And for somebody to make the effort to come and to care and to see them and to be involved in what they're doing, to hear, to care, to pray, to be with them, it just means so, so much. And so um, just for what it's worth, kind of our vision as we think about missions at the Grove, when we think about these, these distant places, these very unreached places like Jessica was talking about, we feel like this is the kind of thing that the Grove is uniquely positioned and gifted to do. Because when you travel that far, you say you take off work and you take a trip like that and you're actually only on the ground, you know, three or four days. By the time it always is a 10-day trip, but you're not really on the ground that long. Um, you can do a lot of things. But one of the most powerful things it feels like we can do is go and care for a Jessica Joyce. Let her know that we see her and we care about her. Uh, meet her where she is and help her to thrive and to move forward and to stay on the ground day after day after day after day. And so that's kind of the vision that, that we want to be a part of. Uh, something else, uh, I'll go ahead and pub this. We are going back with Filter of Hope this summer to Cuba. This will be our third trip with Filter of Hope, but this will be the second time we, we're going to go back to the same place, Cuba. We have committed that we're going to take the same number of people, about 30 folks, um, if you haven't heard us talking about this, it's just an awesome opportunity for us to go to a place that, ought, that needs 
clean drinking water, and we've got these filters that we can take and that we can help them with that. And then as we help them with that, this real need, we can also explain the one who makes us clean uh, and how he can give us salvation and life in connection with, with the living God. And so this trip this summer is happening June 15th to the 22nd. Next interest meeting is going to be January 14th, so just wanted you to get that on your calendar if you're thinking you might want to be a part of it. Uh, the March 1st deadline, and there's a cost. We've always promoted a little bit, but haven't talked that much about, and I just want to speak to it because I was actually a part of the first class that was ever offered in Arkansas. It was offered in Little Rock, and uh, this whole missions thing. From a biblical basis, you know, how does, what does the Bible say about God's heart for the world and what it looks like to take this message to the ends of the earth? It talks about that from a um, historical basis, like, okay, so we've got Acts, and we know some of what happened right after Jesus' ascension and the early church, but then what's happened since then? And y'all, some of those stories, like when I mentioned Lottie Moon, like I didn't know who Lottie Moon was. I learned about this incredible woman, Lottie Moon, because of perspectives, and C.T. Studd, and William Carey, and these names that I didn't really care about history before, and then I got into this one. Man, these, these are incredible people. Amy Carmichael, my goodness, I just wish I could. I mean, hearing these stories, and then the cultural part of that, like what does it look like to go cross-cultural? and all of the baggage, and what does it mean to be an American and be in these places that are so different and have opinions about America and the West? What do we, what do, we do with all of that? And then even the strategy, you know, what I said just a minute ago, for us, a huge st strategic step is for us to care on, on the people who are living there and not just take quick trips. That's a strategic decision that the Grove is making, that this is the way we can help the most and so uh, this class is awesome. Uh, it's been in Northwest Arkansas for a while. It hops around to different churches and locations. This year it's going to be at the Vertical Community Church. There's a cost to it, but the first two classes are free. And it starts uh, January 18th, I think it says. So anyway, want to make sure we pub that. If you've got any questions, feel free to ask me about that. But just a few opportunities for you. Hey, I don't know if, uh, if this happened to you last week, if you were here. If you weren't here, you should probably go back and listen to it. Um, but we started this series where we're talking about, you know, here's, here's the baby. We got Christmas, but uh, Jesus is eternal, creator, God. And so he didn't, he didn't start in the manger. And uh, I felt even my, myself, as Charlie's talking about these things, like, you know, you just kind of feel like your head's just... Then we get in the car, and uh, my Jack, who a lot of times is in the second service, sorry, Jack, I'm going to talk about you in a second, is that all right? Uh, who's nine and a new believer, he, uh, he's like, Dad, I got a question. So Jesus is God? Which we've talked about a lot, but I, I knew the question he was asking, and actually I've talked to some other parents who said that their kids who were in the service ask a similar question, the question of the Trinity. Like, what do you, what do you, what do, you do with this? Oh, I thought, I thought there was God, and there's, there's Jesus, and they're, they're different, but then they're, they're the same, and how, did, how does all that work? And uh, I don't know how you answer that question for your kids. This is kind of where I'm landed, so I'll, I'll let you know what I told Jack. I'm like... Well, Jack, uh, that's a really complicated question, and uh, I don't think you're going to like my answer, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here's kind of how it works. Some people try to describe the Trinity with uh, the illustration of an egg. You know, you got the egg white, you got the yolk, you got the shell, 
and they're all one egg, but they're, they're all separate parts of this egg. And I said, they do that to bring attention to the separateness, that there is the God, the Father, there is God, the Son, there is God, the Holy Spirit, and they are very distinct persons, and they are, they are each in of themselves. They're not, they're not, they're not you know, all just under one. They're not, but the egg brings focus to that, but it's incomplete because they're, they're two separate. So then they'll jump to the other ditch and they'll say, well, it's like water, you know, you got vapor, you got ice, you got water. So it's all water, but it's got these three different forms. And that gives a lot of power and, and, and perspective to the oneness of God, but it doesn't bring enough attention to the individuality of each person of the Trinity. And so any way I try to describe it, it's going to be broken in some way because this thing is just too big. We are not polytheists. We believe in one God, but there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what I told Jack, I'll tell you, I came to a place in my personal journey where these types of things and what we're going to talk about this morning, the things that are beyond me, that force me to a place of faith, they can break you. Or, at least for me, my choice is to embrace them. That if I could, what I told Jack, if I could understand it, if I could wrap my feeble mind around it, then it must be really small. Then this God must be really little. But if this God is who we say that he is, he should be beyond me. And there should be things about him that are out beyond my understanding. Trinity is one of them. The other is <laughs> Jesus, creator God, becoming not just a baby. I heard a speaker say one time, a zygote. But because before he was in the manger, right, his mother carried him. <laughs> Jesus, in the throne room of heaven, and then in the womb. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what would. And so what we're going to look at this morning, I want us to, to go. There's a few places in the Bible that people get this glimpse into the throne room. And I want to take us into the throne room and see what that place was like. That place that Jesus existed, that place that Jesus is, the place that that throne room that seems so much beyond us. We actually have three different times um, that I want to bring to you that, that somebody got to see it. And there are some reoccurring th themes between those three different times, some things we're going to catch. You'll watch that uh, in each one, they, they try to describe what they see, and they just don't have words for it. They're stretching, so they have to say, it's, it's like this, it's, it's, it's like that. But I don't even have the words to describe what I, what I saw. You'll see that in each of them, what's happening in that place is this intense. There's a throne, and there is worship happening. Angelic beings, these beings that are hard to describe and understand, that are uh, almost scary in their power, that are there giving worship to him. And then the last thing is that each time, the one who gets to see it ends up on their face, humbled by what they've seen, realizing how big he is, and it brings attention to how small they are. So let's start. Uh, the first one is in Isaiah. And y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some reading. 
I cut these passages down to, to bring attention to a few things. Uh, I didn't put a lot of it on the screen because if you want to, you can close your eyes. Please don't go to sleep. If you snore, I'm going to have to throw something at you. But uh, try to, I want you to feel it and to go to these places with me, all right? So the first one, Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. Y'all, this is important. You'll notice in each, each one of these, this is a real time, the, the year that King Uzziah died, a real king, this person, Isaiah, a, a real person. This, this happened in time and place. It's a real event. It's not some sci-fi thriller. This is, this is real deal, all right? In the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. It's hard to even get your mind around. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, catch this, and imagine what it would feel like in this room this morning. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And what did Isaiah do? Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Yo, what would that be like? <laughs> what was it like? What will it be like? for the believer to be in the throne room. What? Then I want to go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel, in the same way, it says, in my 13th year, specific time, in the fourth month of the fifth day, very specific, while I was among the exiles at the Kabar River, specific event, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Verse 4, he says, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming from the north and a, uh, an immense cloud and flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. In the center of, of the fire, it looked like glowing metal. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Notice this reoccurring theme. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. They moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. And the creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. Do you see each time he's like, man, I'm trying to tell you, but I can't tell you. It was, it was like fire. It was like burning coals. It was, it, it was kind of like this, but I can't, I don't even have the words. Just, it's, it's like these things. As I looked the living creatures, at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Spread out uh, above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like a vault, sparkling like crystal 
and awesome. I don't think he needed to add and awesome because I'm already like, this is, this is pretty awesome, but I like it. Uh, under the vault, their wings were stretched out toward one another, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like a tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood low with lowered wings. Above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne. Notice there's always a throne presence, present of uh, Lepiz Lazuli. One thing I'm finding out as I look to these different passages is that I need to study my stones because we got topaz and rubies and Lepiz Lazuli, which I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, it was high, in the, and high on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from uh, what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire, like a brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance that was around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And look what Ezekiel says. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. When I saw it, I fell face down. Y'all, let us be reminded that in the presence of this Jesus, that's what happens. You fall on your face. Then Revelation now go in future tense. We've got John. It says, I, John, verse 9 of chapter 1, your brother and companion in suffering and uh, kingdom and patient endurance that is ours and Jesus was on the island of Patmos, specific place, specific time, because, of the word, because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. In verse 12, he says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, again, dressed in, in a robe and reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Man, I just had this visual, man. I, uh, I don't know if you've ever been at a huge waterfall. Um, but, man, when you're at one of the big waterfalls, I mean, waterfalls always have some sound. But uh, there's one down at Pettyjean that when there's a lot of water coming, you can hear it a mile away when you're walking down the trail. When you get close to it, I've stood underneath it, and it is deafening. I've been to Niagara. If you've stood beside Niagara Falls, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so this picture of, man, the sound of rushing waters in his right hand, he held seven stars. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last eternal. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death in Hades. This is our Jesus. 
Revelation chapter 4, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And a voice, uh, and the voice I had heard speaking to me was like the trump, like a trumpet. It said, Come here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne, again, a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone, shone like an emerald and circled the throne. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne were seven lamps blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures again. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And this is where it kind of gets scary. Each of the four creatures had six wings and they were covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. That's a lot of eyeballs. Night and day, they would never stop saying what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was, who is, and who is to come. The past, the present, the future. Your past, present, future. The eternal Jesus. Who was and in his. Don't get lulled into thinking that uh, he's not all of this at this very moment. He's not all of this when he's in that manger. But he's not all of this on the cross. He's all of this. This is, this is the Jesus we worship. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down again before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. There's some repetition on purpose. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And then Revelation 7, 9, he goes on to say this about this vision. After this, I looked and there before me was a, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, Every language, every ethnicity on the planet, every person, every grouping of people, there's a presence of them there. And when we talk about a Jessica Joyce, that's the reason it becomes so important. We're talking about people who haven't heard, don't know this message. There's this promise this day. They're going to hear, they're going to respond, they're going to be there in this place. Every tribe, tongue, and nation before the throne and before the Lamb. And they're wearing white, white robes and they're holding palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice. We are crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they all are doing what? Falling face down before the throne and worshiping God. And they're saying praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And then there's Revelation 19. He says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a, a white horse whose rider is called 
faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. As I read this section, I just want you to, to keep in mind that, uh, you know, I think we have a tendency sometime, maybe a little bit like Ricky Bobby uh, in the great American uh, fictional story, Talladega Nights, uh, to choose which Jesus we want to believe in, to choose which Jesus we want to pray to, and to pray to little baby, sweet baby, baby chick Jesus. Listen to, to what this says in Revelation 19 and see how it fits in that theology. <laughs> his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in, uh, in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following with him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, evidently he's got a tattoo that says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I call this the smack talk verse. Anybody want to talk smack about Jesus? I just want to read Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Man, let us also not get lulled to sleep thinking that this Jesus and uh, his view of disobedience and sin, uh, injustice, we, we experience his grace, but let us not get lulled to sleep into thinking that he takes it lightly. He will execute justice. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. That's the reason this Jesus coming and laying down his life for us is so absolutely incredible that we would get grace and mercy. People who have disobeyed him, have sinned against him, that are unholy. This holy, holy, holy God would come and lay down his life for us. And then... He would say something like this in John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you? Would I, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This promise of our Jesus, that this throne room, that this heaven is a place that even this moment he's preparing for those who would believe and follow him. Yeah. Man, let this, let this Christmas be the one for you and yours, for us, that we look at this Jesus rightly, that we look at ourselves rightly, that we literally, symbolically respond as you anybody would, that we fall on our faces, say, holy, 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 you are the one that deserves the worship. 
Father, we, we do. Um, I think that there's so much going on in our lives, and there's so many distractions, and it's so easy uh, to just look past this, to not think about it, to not dwell on it. And Father, there's such peace, there's such comfort in knowing that you are, you are big, that you're in control, Jesus, that you are creator, sustainer, that you've given us a promise, that you were good on your promises, that no matter how smart we are, that it pales in comparison to your wisdom and your knowledge. No matter how strong we are, it's a joke next to your strength. No matter how capable we think we are, it's ridiculous put up, paired next to you. And so we just need to yield and let you be who you are. Worship you as you are. Father, we love you, King Jesus. We thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Let us celebrate it big for your glory. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.